0: Verses five through seven. Um, there's a few verses in here that there's a repetition that happens, and we see this in Matthew six, and we see this in Matthew Matthew six verses five through seven, and then Matthew six verses sixteen through eighteen. And so there's a there's a rep- repetition that actually takes place, and so I want you to just just let let's ask the lord that we have ears to hear amen so father let us have ears to hear your word um, let us have ears to hear what you're speaking to us holy spirit I thank you for your word I thank you that you are the leader and I'm just following you lord and we just want to follow you and we want to love you and honor you and just grow more in love with you so we give you this time that you're you're showing us lord how to love you how to how to honor you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So it says in Matthew 6, verses 5 through 7, he's talking about prayer, and he says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Verse 6, But when you pray, that's two times. Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 7. And when you pray, <laughs> do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. So Jesus says this three times, and when you pray, and when you pray, and when you pray, and when you pray. And then if you look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18, I'm going to read this to you, and he says, And when you fast, (laughs) do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, (laughs) anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret reward you so that's two times even when you fast so when you fast when you fast when you pray when you pray when you pray there's there's repetition and when jesus begins to repeat himself we ought to pay attention (laughs) in the text it's it's something that let us have ears to hear what is he saying he's making a real emphasis and he's jesus really points out it's not he points out when not if and this is very important because it's done in both those instances of the prayer and the fasting that he's talking about. And, and so this is the father, even if, if you actually even look a little bit deeper in verse six, in Matthew chapter six, he says, but when you pray, go into your secret room, shut the door. And then a little afterwards it says, and your father who sees in secret will, will reward you. He says that again in Matthew 6, verses 18. But your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So he says this, he also says this two times, your father who sees in secret, your father who sees in secret, the father sees what, how, and why of the things that we do. He sees and he knows our core desires. He knows what we're really after before we even realize it. So he sees what we hunger after. and I think this is this is so important to to note because even the times where we may not understand or even there's when there's an invitation of 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 coming to the Lord or or, or spending time with him or maybe he wakes you up in the mo- in the middle of the night. You know, and you're like, "Ah, oh. you know that moment, you know, but it's it's those times where he's he's calling you to seek him, and your father, who sees in secret, he will reward you and and but then it comes to the question of like, well, what's the reward? what am I really after right and and so the father he sees, he knows he knows the 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 our inclinations, he knows everything I mean jesus even he's he addresses that to um the crowds when he was uh, when he was asking the crowds in Luke 7:24 through 26 he says Jesus Jesus said what did you go out into the wilderness to see he's talking um to them about John the Baptist um and he says that a few times too he says it in verses 24 25, 25 26 what then did you go out to see What then did you go out to see? Um, If not his air and action, you know, what was it? You know, he, he, Jesus was trying to get at the core of what, why did they really go out to see John the Baptist? So I'm saying kind of some of these a little bit because oftentimes the questions that the Lord asks us, it will reveal the intention of our hearts and the Holy spirit. He often offends our minds to reveal what's in our hearts. So we may begin to ask, well, why do I have to fast? Why do I, why should I fast? Or why, why, why do I need to pray? Why do I need to do these things? And, or it, it will offend our minds, but it really, the core is so that it can get to our heart. He wants our heart. He wants to know the desires, the things that are within our heart, but he also wants us to be aware of what's in our heart. Because if we don't know what's in our heart, we can begin to operate and do things out of just doing things. And instead of letting Him get to the core of our heart, our intentions, our desires. And so I, I think that this is, this is something that, that the Lord is asking. He asks us. He's, He's highlighting in the sense of, of when you pray, when you fast, um, because He sees it he sees it and he he knows the the deep things that are within us um and he wants to he wants to awaken that the cry and the longing in our heart is really because of him like he's the one that put it in his spirit lives within us right and so because of that there's an awakening there's an awakening that's happening and an awakening that's actually revealing the real barrenness within us why do we say, Oh, I just want more of God? I just, I just want to, I long for his return. There's nothing within us that's good that shouts that. It's the spirit within us. And the spirit within us is being awakened in this hour so that we can say, Jesus, come, you came and come again. You're coming. Lord, we wait for your return. Come, Lord. The spirit and the bride say, Come. That's what he says in the last days. Like, they're The church, the body of Christ will no longer just be the body of Christ, but it will recognize itself as the bride. You're the bride. We are the bride. And Jesus is the bridegroom. He is the one that is coming back for his bride. And the spirit within us is saying, come, Lord, come. And even if you think, I don't know if I have that awakening right now, but this is why there's that invitation, because he wants to awaken that within us. To to say, come, Lord, come. That I, my identity is in you. As I'm, I'm a bride, and even men, you may think I'm a bride. I have to wear a, uh, there's a dress. No, <laughs> but he he often gives us analogies, and he often shows us these things to know that you get to be so close to the Father, you get to share in the intimacies with the Father that no one else is able to a bride has access to her bridegroom in a way that no one else can you and I have access to the lord in a way that no one else has and it's so important that i that he's 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 inviting us to understand that identity that we would be in the last days of people that are defined by being his bride and he is the bridegroom no longer yes i'm a son and a daughter of christ but i'm also a bride getting ready for my bridegroom's return and and, and so this it, it reveals when we're as we're saying that like man i'm so i'm lovesick for the lord i'm i'm, I'm longing to be with him have you ever felt that way It reveals also the barrenness within us, that longing. And and, and the truth is, that longing is in everyone's heart. The desire to be loved. The desire to be loved, the desire to be valued. That ache within us of loneliness. The ache within us of rejection. And those, Those desires, it's felt within our spirits to the very core. And you know why? It's because we were created by God, the creator of the universe, the one who formed us, to not only be loved, but to love. You were designed like that. You were created to love and be loved. This is why, though, we search for love. This is why we crave love in different types of ways because at the core end, of, the end of it all, as humanity, you were designed by the Father. And, and because that core, that, that, that to be loved and loved, the longing for validation, acceptance, we, we constantly, we see it at work, whether it's been diluted down to being loved based off what we do, Right? what other people think of us, what we have, the real need within is to love and be loved. That's a desire that you were created with. And you can, whether you believe it or not, you can find yourself in ways that you may, we may do things in essence of why do you have to ask yourself, why do I do what I do? Why do I engage in the things I engage in? There's, there's, If you get to the core value of these things, somewhere along the line, you're going to find one of those sayings of, I want to be validated, I want to be accepted, I want to be loved. And it's because the Lord has designed you like that. He's designed us all, but because of brokenness in humanity, and the fall of man, and because sin has entered the world, that has become diluted, and when it has become diluted, we begin to mesh everything else with what has really been intended was to be loved and loved by the Father, but we end up finding our validation, finding all of those things, the desire to love and be loved, it ends up getting meshed with lust, Desires for temporary fixes validation by people, achievements, attendance to events, examples like, if I'm here every day, then they'll like me. Just one more like on Instagram or social, whatever you want, whatever you're using, and then I'm, I'll know I'm loved. Or just one more image and then I won't feel lonely. And these things are what they are alone. They're temporary. They're lusts that are attempted to fit into the, our hearts that never really quite fit because none of those things will ever really complete you because you were designed by the Father to be loved by the Father. You were designed to love the Father. And this is where we find a gap. We, we, we realize, Lord, I know... That you love me. How many of you know that he loves you tonight? He loves you. He, he loves us and he tells us who we really are. And he reveals how much he loves us. And so the truth is though our belief in that, it really determines how we feel about ourselves. Because if I don't believe that he loves me and if I don't believe that he he's in love with me, I'm going to end up meshing myself with things that are not for or with him. And the truth is, is that we see this this example even with Jesus. He was validated by the Father before he even began his ministry, right? Jesus, God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased with. He hadn't even begun anything, but it was because he was validated by the Father, that it is so good you exist. You're loved. I'm pleased with you. I delight in you. You don't have to earn my love. And that's, the, the, the Father is, is saying that to us as well. But our belief in that often just ends up sometimes being just the belief. We have head knowledge. We have the truth but at the end of the day, it ends up, doesn't end up transferring to reality. We, we, we can find ourselves stuck, you know, and, and, and God wants our identity and our sense of value to be rooted and grounded in the knowledge of his affections for us. He wants us to know how loved we are. I mean, it, it talks about that in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 18. It says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through your faith and may you, having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love, be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, God's people, the width and length and height and depth of his love, fully experiencing that amazing, endless love. He wants us to experience it. He doesn't want us to just have it, the knowledge of it, but he wants us to live an experience of it. And and that's where the, our hearts actually come alive. Your heart begins to come alive when you experience the love of God. And sometimes it's like, well, how do I experience the love of God? How can I do that? What does that even look like? I don't know. You might ask yourself, you might think, I know I have thought that a lot of times. And I'm like, Lord, I want to feel your love, but sometimes I don't, you know. And, and in those moments, the Lord he begins to as i'm spending time with him he shows me he embraces me but it takes me to get out of my knowledge to actually sit with him amen and, and and so you think well how is it that jesus feels so much for us like he loves you and and the truth is though like his last public message it is all about a wedding Jesus, the bridegroom, before he goes to the cross in Matthew 22, 1 through 14, he really breaks down what was, and he reveals his heart, what was really burning in his heart. He, he, he reveals, like, he described the, the kingdom of God as a wedding. And the father as the one that's arranging the marriage. Um, and, and, and so it's like this revelation of Jesus, our bridegroom, and, and I'm going to just... I'm going to read that because it says, Matthew 22, it says, Jesus, chapter, uh, verse 1, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, parables, saying, The kingdom of God may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. It's interesting. This is a, one of the last parables that he says before he goes to the cross. And he describes it as that. So so we can see that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. His son is Jesus. Jesus is the bridegroom, right? And he sent his servants to call those who had previously been invited to the wedding feast, but they refused to come. Then he sent out some other servants saying, tell those who have been invited, look, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and and calves are butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast but they paid no attention. They disregarded the invitation, amplified version says, treating it with contempt. And they went away, one to his farm, another to his business. They were doing business as usual. And they went went away. The rest of the invited guests seized his servants and they mistreated them, insulting, humiliating them and killed them. The king was enraged when he heard this, and he sent soldiers and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. So go to the main highways that lead out of the city, invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. Those servants went out into the streets and gathered together all the people they could find, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled and dinner guests sitting at the banquet table. But when the king came in to see the dinner guests, he saw a man who was not dressed appropriately in wedding clothes. So in essence, he wasn't ready. (laughs) He wasn't ready. And he said, friend, how did you come in here without wearing the wedding clothes that were provided for you? We've been provided with the sacrifice of Jesus. The blood is what makes us whole, what cleanses us we've been provided with this. And, and this is so interesting because it says that, it says, I, I mean, really interesting to think this, this person that was there, the guest that was there, could he not see that he was different from the others? <laughs> that the clothes that he was wearing was different, the t- attire was different. And, and, and he asked like, how did you come in here without wearing, the, like in essence, there's that qu- those questions again, how did you get here you know, um, has been provided for you, he said. And the man was speechless, and he was without excuse. We're without excuse. The table has been set for us through his body and his blood. We're to come in and receive that, amen, to say, Lord, What you did was enough on the cross. I believe this. I want to experience this. I want to be ready when you come, Lord. You are the bridegroom. You are the one that I'm getting ready for. And then he said, he said, and the man was speechless and without excuse. Verse 13. Then the king said to the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him into the darkness outside. In that place, there will be weeping over sorrow and pain and grinding of teeth over distress and anger. For many are called, invited, summoned, but few are chosen. And so that, it's just so, it's so interesting that that is one of the, Jesus revealed what was burning in his heart. He revealed this through that parable, um, describing the kingdom of God as a wedding, d- describing how God was arranging the marriage for his son, and, and, really seeing that he's the bridegroom and we're his bride i'm his bride you you are his bride and it's through receiving and taking to heart that revelation that i am his bride I, and he is my br- bridegroom that the rev- that gap between like really experiencing his love it it actually ends up getting met so if we only we know it but we're not experiencing it there's a gap that takes place, right? I can know this, but how do I experience this? I mean, and, it, and it's like, it's not, it's not coincidental, but it does rem- it, it's so in tune with what the vision of our house is, of crossing over, how do I get from here to here? <laughs> how do I get from knowledge to encounter? How do I get there from, from making it a reality in my life that it's not just a Sunday? It's not just a Wednesday. It's not just a one time thing, but it's an everyday thing. He doesn't want you to just live in a one day encounter with Him. There's, but every day an encounter happens where you begin to see how the Lord has led you, right? Through, through and through and through. And so we're designed to be, I, I just want to r- remind us of this. You're designed to be loved and you're designed to love and be accepted by him. There's the gap, the gap between the truth of this reality and actually experiencing it. And so we talked about a little bit, I know, of when we pray, when we fast. It's not an if, but a when. Why am I saying this? Well, because fasting is a way... One of the most practical ways to posture your heart to experience more of God's affection. How does that all relate? I want to experience, I don't want to just know your love. I want to experience your love. There's a longing in my heart. So what do I need to do? Jesus said, not if you fast, but when you fast. So I need to be in a state of posturing my heart to say, I'm longing for you. I don't know exactly how it looks like, but I'm going to listen to your voice and I'm going to respond to the invitation that you are calling me to because I am lovesick for you, Lord. I want to see you. I want to know you. I want to love you in a way that I've never loved you before. I am lovesick for you. And even if I'm not lovesick, I'm saying it in faith that I am lovesick for you. I'm lovesick for your return. I may not know it, but I know the spirit within me knows it. Your spirit craves the Lord. Your spirit craves his returning and you don't even know it. But when you begin to partner with this reality that Jesus, you're coming back and I want to do what I can do because he does give us control of a a portion of our lives, the quality of our lives. He gives us a portion of that to control. There's things that we he can do, but there's things that he calls us to do to partner with. Because sometimes we can end up having false doctrine of God's sovereignty and his grace. We say, God make all things work together for the good of his people. That is true. But the truth is that we need to contend for the whole faith. We don't just say that and not partner with praying. Specifically... You have. We have to come into this understanding of you've given me a portion of our my life, Lord, to control in the sense of I'm going to be fervent in my prayer. I'm going to actually call upon you and pray even for this reality in my life, in my brother's and sister's life, in our church, in our city, that, Lord, a love sickness will come upon us, that we will be a church. We will be a people that is set on fire to say, come, Lord Jesus, come we have to partner with that. He will come regardless, but don't you wanna be a part of it? <laughs> He's gonna come, but don't you want to partner with him? And the way that we do that is, like I said, a practical way is we fast. We fast for his for a longing for him. and And by all means, like I was saying, Fast what the Lord is telling you to fast, I know biblically we it 's t- we abstain from food when you 're fasting there are there are other though what i 'm what I just want you to kind of i 'm wanting to invite you in is if you can look even a little bit beyond that too and and think about what are the pleasures of of my life that i 'm consumed with that I can take away and give you, Lord, what has been gripping my time, what has been gripping myself from you because it's in those moments when you begin to posture your heart like that that you begin to become aware of how frail we are when we abstain from 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 certain things from food from um pleasures every whatever it is our it's like our minds become enlightened awareness of like Man, I need you, Lord. We think we need, I don't know, whatever you might think you need. And just think about, it really awakens our heart to how, how much we need Him to rely on. We, we often can rely on the food. We rely on, I mean, you may rely on your phone. <laughs> Truthfully, You may rely, I don't know, whatever it is you might think you rely on, the minute it gets taken away, I mean, maybe observe how you respond. (laughs) Are you constantly thinking about it? Because then that has become the idol. And he wants to take away those idols. He wants us to depend on him, the creator, the, the one who is our source. Because then it puts us... It, it actually, he begins to offend our mind, right, to reveal what's in our heart. He constantly does that. Our, our, our minds don't really think about, like, or if our minds do think about it, we don't understand it. Like, how is sacrificing food and these pleasures unlocking the, you know, my heart and mind to receive more of you, Lord? But it does. God's God has set up his kingdom in a way that it's perfect. I can't explain it to you. (laughs) But he's sovereign and he knows there's there's ways. It's like the upside down kingdom, basically. Where we think, right, hate your enemies. No, he says, love your enemies. (laughs) Everything is opposite in the kingdom of God. (laughs) And so even this, in reality, you know, pastor was talking about, um, discipleship on Sunday. And the the truth be told, you know, when we think about discipleship and when we think about fasting, we think fasting is radical. And it's not. It's a call to the disciple. That to fast is to be a disciple because when you're fasting, you're actually voluntarily making the choice to deny yourself. You're voluntarily choosing to be weak, but it sets you up to the path of revelation and encounter with him. There's there's no other way that you can do that. There's no other way that we can get closer to his heart than by abstaining from the things that have consumed us and cluttered our hearts. It's only through this, and and this is the call that he tells us all, because he says, when we fast, not if we fast, that's, as a, as a disciple, how many of you are, we're disciples of Jesus, right? We're following after him. So he's telling me when you fast, Des, not if you fast. <laughs> we're actually participating in what it looks like to follow him, to be a disciple. It's a call to pick up your cross and follow him. That's what it says in Matthew sixteen twenty-four through 25. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. Me. We deny our needs. We de- deny our desires, so that we become aware of little O me and big, the big Lord. You are Creator. I am not. <laughs> Fasting is it. It brings us into humility. It brings us into a longing for Him. Like man, I, I really can't do anything without You, Lord. And and so, we're all human, right? we're all human, we're all broken, we're all weak, and we're all hungry for God. Are you hungry for God? I'm hungry for God. I'm hungry for him. And so when you're hungry for him, you want to do anything for him. And this is a call he's inviting us to, to not just this week either. It's, it's every day. Like it's a, I mean, be led in what the Lord's telling you, but if you, to be lovesick for him, to be in love with him. He wants all of your heart. And and the only way to go from thought and knowledge to encounter is by actually experiencing him through posturing your heart through a practical way of fasting. Denying yourself and following him. Amen. And, and, And so I just wanted to share some of these things, like I said, with you guys tonight, because And and encouragement, really, also. Encouraging you to hear, keep asking him, what is in my life that I need to be away with so that I can spend with you? Because it's, it's those times when we are, the longing to clear out the clutter and the pleasure of our daily lives, the things that consume our time, our minds, our beings, we're choosing him. Every, you're choosing him in these moments. You're choosing to grow in intimacy with him. You're and and God, when you're choosing him, he promises to reveal the depths of his heart. You can ask him, "Why is your kingdom set up like this?" He'll know. <laughs> he'll he'll tell you. <laughs> but those questions you can ask your bridegroom. You can ask him because he wants you to. He wants you to be close with him, and so it says it says first corinthians 2 210 these things god has revealed to us through the spirit for the spirit searches everything even the depths of god he he promises to reveal himself to us as we're in a posture of of being close to him next to him and and this is this is really the fast that that um like I said, it's it's not about averting a crisis, right? So I know that we can, we, we fast for different things, but I, I just want to invite you, let, the, let this be a time where you're asking that you want to see him as the bridegroom. You want to see him, you want, you, you wanna, there's a love sickness in your heart for him because when you begin to see it like that, you also begin to see how or what is in the way of that. And then it produces godly sorrow. And godly sorrow produces repentance. (laughs) And the repentance is not just about the... It's not a, oh man, I'm so bad. I'm so unworthy. Condemnation. No, that's not what it's about. It's to realize... Where am I at, Lord? How far am I? And with, uh, am I far from you? Are there things that are keeping me from you? And now I want to go, I want to be away with those things. I don't want those things in my life. The band-aids that are wrapped around your heart are going to, will come off easier because they'll be drenched in the spirit. When a band-aid is soggy, it's easy to come off, right? So when you're soaking in his presence and you're posturing your heart in that way to, you're choosing him, you're denying yourself, you're saying, not if, but when I fast, Lord, I'm going to choose you. He's going to begin to reveal the things that are taped around you, and his spirit is will really undo all those things. He'll, he's going to illuminate the things that you need to say, I'm not partnering with that anymore. I'm not partnering with idolatry. I'm not partnering with, with lust. I'm not partnering with, 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 uh, pornography. I'm not partnering with whatever it is that you struggle with. You, he begins to, the Holy Spirit illuminates those things that are preventing you from being close to the Father. And it's not because of condemnation. It's because he wants you to be close to him, to abide in him, to be one with him as he's in you. So, let this be a time that you begin to reflect on that like Lord I'm choosing you. I'm choosing you right now. I want to choose you every day. And I'm going to posture my heart before you. So that you can search me, so that you can know me because at the end of the day, I want to be close to you. I want to see my I I want to see you as the bridegroom and help me to understand my identity as the bride. So I I just wanted to share some of those things tonight and I know it must it was a little quite a lot um but I I pray that just begin to ask him uh to reveal himself to you as the bridegroom you're his bride you're loved by him there's the longing in your heart you're designed like that and he's the only one that can fill it he's the only one so we we thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for just this time, Lord, that you're, you're showing us, Lord, that we were created to be loved and to, to love. We were created like that because you created us. You designed us in that way, Father. And I know right now, Lord, that you are tugging even on our hearts and you're showing us as, as the bride here tonight. That you long for us and that we're we long for you the spirit within us longs for you and even if that desire Lord it may be hidden under the things that are going on in our hearts but we know the reality is Lord that your spirit lives within us and that your spirit the spirit says come the craving the desire in our hearts Lord it's for it really is for you the longing is really for you Lord it's for you, and, and and so I pray that we would we would get out of our own, even our own mindsets, our own thoughts, and say, "Yes, Lord, I by faith I know, Lord, that you're calling me to this too. It's not just one person. It's not just one one. It's not one person. It's He's calling his his sons, his daughters. He's calling us all." And so, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you let us respond to you right now.